We're back and we're recording through a Fernet crisis. Welcome to Humber Pod. the first episode of the 2016 series of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week by Fede. Great to be here. And Andres. Hello, same as Fede. I hope this is a great year, uh, both for football and for Hand of Pod. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. An adequate year would be absolutely fine. Uh, we will uh, we'll be joined by Fran a little later. Um, he couldn't make it along for the start, unfortunately, but he'll be with us later. Um, and we've got some interesting stuff to look back on and some not so interesting stuff to look back on um, this week. Obviously, we're mainly looking forward to the new Primera Championship, which kicks off on Friday. Uh, that is, uh, by the time the first of you are listening to this, that's today. Um, God, I'm out of practice. I've completely forgot what I wanted to say. Um, and many, many changes to Hand of Pod. Uh, the first being, we'll give them one last mention because it was all very amicable. Um, that our sponsors, our former sponsors, the Argentina Independent, have stepped to one side for now. Um, their budget constraints and, and our uh, uh, desire to hunt for uh, sponsors who can pay for a little bit more than just the drinks um, mean that we're, we're parting company, but it's very amicable and we do recommend them to, to check them out, argentinaindependent.com. Thank them very much indeed for their support last year and we wish them all the best for the future. Um, Without any further ado, this is normally the point where I read out last weekend's results, but of course there aren't any results from last weekend because there was no football last weekend, or at least no meaningful football. We're going to get on to the Big Five once Fran is here, so in the second uh, bit of the show. Um, But we're going to begin with the one major talking point, which I gather has even made news outside Argentina, and that is the uh, shocking revelation that Argentine pre-season friendlies are not all that friendly. Gentlemen, would one of you like to fill in the details? Well, the the La Plata Derby uh, was played in the in Mar del Plata this this Sunday. Sunday. Yes. Uh, Estudiantes facing Gimnasia. Uh, as some of you may know, it's a very bitter rivalry, one of the most serious ones here in Argentina. Along with Rosario Central News. Exactly. Uh, Who didn't play this summer, that's why they were... They never play on friendlies, because uh, I think they did it a couple of years ago. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I looked at that. The last one was either in 2012 or 2013. Yeah, was when was Central was in the National League. Yeah. Uh, because, they, as Sam correctly said, they are never friendly. And uh, five minutes before the end of the game, that there had been a wrong red card against the Gimnasia goalkeeper in the first half, and also Pereira, the Uruguayan international, also got sent off because of a ninja kick in the first half as well. Uh, but five minutes uh, before the end of the game, uh, Ascasivar, who's uh, the young number five for Estudiantes, made a really bad tackle from behind to a gymnastic player whose name I can recall right now. 
he was sent off and then the, they started the, the both players and uh, bench people and also Pereira who was sent off previously as I, as mm. I just mentioned came back to the pitch and at first they just uh, pushed each other and they they started to punch each other and then kick each other while on the ground uh, well it was a complete mess uh, there are pictures of Masolas uh, in as midfielder uh, kicking Andujar in the in the ground uh, repeatedly and well uh, yeah it was a show for spectators obviously uh, but not the kind of thing we hoped there have been lots of jokes going around about how to uh, eradicate violence in football the AFRA is now considering playing all matches this season without the away teams um, <laughs> if, they kill, if they kill themselves there will be no more violence that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that as well uh, the results of this obviously has been some hefty suspensions first of all after Evide, uh, which is the uh, government body or it might be the province of Buenos Aires government exactly. body but it, it's, it's a, an official state organisation which deals with uh, security at sporting events in the province of Buenos Aires which of course is where Mar del Plata is where the match was played and it's also where La Plata is and therefore where both of the, uh, the teams in question are playing and they announced yesterday um, that they were banning 10 Gimnasia players from the stadiums um, for the next two matches that Gimnasia play in the province of Buenos Aires, which are, is to say this coming weekend when they play tomorrow away to Banfield and I presume the weekend after when I'm assuming they're going to be at home. Let me just check that. Um, so those 10 players, which basically include their 10 players who would normally be in the starting 11 uh, for Gimnasia, yeah. um, are not going to be playing in Gimnasia's first two matches. Uh, he yeah, is at home to Patronato. So possibly, if you're a betting person, then look into the possibility. You know, if, if you've got a, a decent price on Gimnasia uh, to win tomorrow, then that's why, because they'll be playing with essentially a reserve tie. Uh, I think Aguto Solari was the only one that you could say, "Come on, he has been kicked and, and he's receiving a three-match ban." But uh, that's that's uh, uh, from AFA, not a Previde. Mm. Previde, what they did, uh, what they did was to. Uh, uh, ban them from going the into the stadiums for two matches, which is they can't go even to with their ma- teammates or they can't go and watch the yeah. match even, yeah, exactly. or yeah. indeed int- attend any other matches. I don't think uh, of the weekend if they did want to. Um, and then today, or actually, it might have been very late last night, the AFA uh, themselves put up their disciplinary uh, hearings, and I'm going to read out a list of all of the players um, who are suspended for this coming weekend in the Primera División. Suspended for eight matches. Mariano Andujar, the Estudiantes goalkeeper, Alvaro Pereira, who it is worth mentioning is, is the, uh, as, as uh, Fede says, is the Uruguayan international fullback uh, who was playing for Estudiantes and who has since been sent on loan to Getafe. Um, he's been suspended for eight matches, which means that when he comes back, on, back from his loan to Getafe and is playing in Argentina again, if indeed he does again, he's going to have to sit out those eight matches at some point. Um, and Nicolas Mazzola of Gimnasia, they're all suspended for eight games. That's half of the championship because the championship this year is 16 matches. So Estudiantes might have shot themselves in the foot a bit there. Um, suspended for five matches are Javier Mendoza, Roberto Brum, and Maximiliano Coronel, all of Gimnasia. Suspended for four matches are Israel Damonte of Estudiantes and Federico Rassic and Antonio Medina of Gimnasia. Suspended for three matches are Santiago Ascasibar, who is the young player who Fede mentioned making the original And Medina foul. was the one who received the, the foul. No, I exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and Augusto Solari, both of Estudiantes, suspended for two matches. We have uh, no Gimnasio Estudiantes players. It's Diego Rodriguez of Independiente. Uh, AFA have not mentioned, at least on this uh, 
preview web page that we're looking at, whether that's the goalkeeper or the midfielder called Diego Rodriguez, who plays for Independiente, but it's one of them, possibly both. Shamila uh, Sad of Belisarsfield, which is going to be a big loss for Belis because they'll be slightly either less or slightly more crap without him. And Enzo Kalinski of San Lorenzo, and suspended for one match, Enrique Bologna, the Gimnasia goalkeeper. Suspended provisionally for official matches and um, cited to come and declare at the offices of the AFA next Wednesday, the 10th of February. Ah, Matias Himna- Garcia, sorry, of Gimnasia, Maxi Mesa of Gimnasia, uh, Victor Bernay, who is the assistant um, coach, basically, of Gimnasia, Martin Soleil, who is the head physio at Estudiantes, and Jorge Meno, who is the security man at Estudiantes, which I think is probably my favourite bit there, that even Estudiantes security got involved. Um, not that it's necessarily that much of a surprise to hear that somebody in a security uniform waded into a fight, but still. Um, it, it's probably going to affect the title race, this, isn't it? Because Estudiantes, certainly, and, and also Gimnasia last year, both had good campaigns. And having so many key players suspended for such large parts of the of the title race, it's gonna. I'm not saying that either of them actually would have challenged for the title themselves, but both of them could have had a say in it in terms of beating and you know giving it's a bloody nose yeah. to teams who were going to be up there. And, and looking at the punishments, it looks like there won't be any amnesty like in Conmebol. Uh, well, more or less, I was reading uh, just before the show started that. Uh, uh, both gymnasium and students are planning friendly matches uh, between week between in weekends, so as to friendly, friendly exactly matches. friendly matches, yeah. so as to carry the suspension there. But these guys have been suspended for eight matches of the Primera División. It says the it ones that are uh, more than three matches banned, uh, they won't be able to to pay the, their their suspensions with friendlies. Mm. So. And I'm, I'm I'm just quoting a Kanchashena article from a okay. couple minutes ago. I don't know if uh, they checked that. Uh, obviously, this is Argentine football, so I mean rules yes. truly have changed at you, least a couple of times in the last years. Sleep and rules are the one, exactly one. Uh, yes, and how they are raised <laughs> the, other, the other way. But. Absolutely, uh, no Boca or River players suspended. You might, if you pay a lot of attention to Argentine football, have heard about the the fight that broke out during uh, one of the two Super Clásicos um, over the summer as well. It was well, it remained on pitch, and none of them got banned enough for long enough to roll over into the first uh, first division championship, basically. So there's not much to say about that. Um, as Andres mentioned, Boca have. Um, benefited from one disciplinary decision in the last few days which was a slightly and I'm not saying this because I'm a Ripper fan or because you're here fellow so just forgive me <laughs> it, is, it was, it's a bit weird because it's not just Boca that it's affected either it's various other clubs who've, mm-hmm. who've benefited from this decision by the new Conmebol directors who just were voted in last week um, to basically hold an amnesty and to say well we're going to reduce loads of sanctions we're going to get rid of some others I think San Lorenzo had one, didn't they? And one of the other Central, Argentine clubs. Central as well. There were a couple of other teams as well from elsewhere in the continent who had uh, bans on on um, playing it behind closed doors or had lengthy pl- bans for one player for due to indiscipline or something. And those have, in large part, either been lifted or been severely shortened. And the most notable, of course, um, as uh, medium to long term listeners will, will remember, it was the uh, the pepper spray attack by one of Boca's uh, banners. Um, on River Plate's team last year, which led to Boca being kicked out of, the, of last year's Libertadores. Conmebol haven't quite gone as far to suggest that the whole of the second bit of last year's Libertadores has to be replayed from the moment that happened, although that wouldn't have surprised me because this is Conmebol we're talking about. 
Um, nothing could entirely surprise you. But what they have done is commuted uh, Boca Juniors' um, sentence, which was given as an, was it eight games? Yeah, four home, four away games. Four home games behind closed doors and four away games without away fans. And I've now said it's going to be, is it one two on one. each or one on one? No, one on one. So 75% two, two on uh, reduction in every sanction for, for clubs in the continent. Ah, right, so that's... 75%, yeah. Okay. Does that apply to the the financial? No, no, no just the, that's already been paid the games we have closed off. Business or business. Exactly, mm. yeah. Indeed. Um, and this is, I suspect it's got less to do with uh, Conmebol outright favouring Boca per se and more to do um, with Conmebol wanting to uh, throw a sop to, although the reason they actually gave was that it's an amnesty uh, to it's celebrate yeah. the Copa America Centenario, which is being played this year, which seems really bizarre even by Conmebol's standards of logic um, but it, it seems more likely to be a sop to the um, Liga Sudamericana de Clubes which was recently formed the South American League of Clubs which just to be clear uh, is not um, uh, any threat of a breakaway competition as we've heard various times in the last decade or two in, in Europe or, or whatever um, it's a literally a league of clubs in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen sense of the word league collection um, who essentially aren't very happy with the television rights because Conmebol's Copa Libertadores television rights deal has trebled um, this year compared with last year and the clubs were expecting therefore the prize money to be put up quite a lot and what Conmebol offered them uh, last month was a 40% increase. I think that they're now on the verge of signing um, on doubling the money from last year, but I'm not sure. Yes, they, they, they were off, they have been paid, uh, last year they have been paid uh, $3,000, $3,500, yeah. per match uh, in home condition, and now they will receive six, so it's... Uh, I've read that the, the, the first offer was a 40% increase, which they rejected, I think, a month ago. Yeah. Now they're offering to double the money, and the, the clubs are still saying that's not enough. Yeah. They want 9,500, I think. Uh, yeah, I think... It yeah, they, they want it to go up. Exactly. Commensurate to the new TV deal, which I think is entirely right, because who else are they going to give the TV money to? Exactly. Not so, I mean... Um, particularly when we saw, and we indeed talked about after the the Club World Cup final last year and after the Club World Cup final the year before last as well um, and, and indeed after every other Club World Cup final we don't necessarily do it on air if there's not an Argentine club involved but it, it's always the case that uh, the disparity between Europe and, and South America financially means that that's never that much of a, um, a spectacle Is that a helicopter? Yes, I think They're coming for you, Sam See either that or Macri's changed his route home compared with the one Cristina used to take, but well, that's the first time I've heard it come over here. Yeah, um, the, the, the fat men from the convoy were there. Yeah, yeah here. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, what was I saying before the helicopter flew over? I've completely forgotten. Yeah, about the amnesty, I, I wanted to add about what you were saying. I think yeah. that, the, I mean, the amnesty is, I have no real, even as a book fan, no way to justify it as something fair. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was to protect Comebol's financials, and mm. uh, I mean, obviously, even if you're not a Boca fan, you can see the, the financial importance that uh, four games uh, between closed doors yeah. brings to the to the whole continent and the Comebol. Uh, but I do think the sanction was excessive at first. So two wrongs don't make a right, but I mean, I think it's, it 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 was a way from Comebol to compensate mm. uh, a very harsh. Decision a year ago. Yeah. Uh, again, it's I wouldn't say it's fair, 
but I mean it's what we have with Comeville. And This makes us, of course, repeat one once again what happened that night, and of course uh, that it was terrible. But most, more, even more terrible than the Panadero uh, uh, throwing the paper spray to the River Plate players is that Comeville does didn't know what to do, and they were two hours uh, discussing. Do we have to suspend this, this match or not? What do we do? With, and players were with their eyes, uh, uh, irritated eyes, and, 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 and uh, having to be carried with, to, to a hospital. And, and that's, that's terrible. That, that Conmebol doesn't know what to do and how to prevent and then how to act, exactly. well, react to these things. Although I think, thinking back to that night, I do agree with, with what I heard in a few places, supposing that, um, or guessing rather, I should say, that... Uh, that the charade of, of delaying the announcement for such a long time was actually to get more police into the area um, closer to La Bombonera. I mean, from what I, one of the things that I heard was that the referee sort of realised within about 10 minutes that he was going to have to call the game off, but that somebody from Combebop gave a word in his ear and said, don't announce it yet because we're going to need to get the police in because otherwise all hell's going to break loose it, around the area. It, so. It's a good excuse. I don't know if it's yeah. true, but it, it's, it's, it sounds... It's, def it's definitely true that the area around Parque de Sama, which is the park in southern San Telmo, just a few blocks away from La Bombonera, um, filled up with police during that time because I have okay. a friend who lives on Parque de Sama, basically, and uh, she was telling me that her, during those two hours, her house was, she was looking out the window and seeing streams of police coming past and um, getting ready in the park. Um, so whether it was a deliberate choice or not, I agree, it's, you know, I'd like to believe that. Uh, because the alternative, they yeah, didn't immediately think, well, obviously this can't go on, is just uh, too ridiculous even for Conmebol. Um, is there some stuff that we can talk about that doesn't have to do with uh, violence in football or anything, but in terms of previewing the season? We can talk about the um, format for the league season, I suppose, first of all, before getting into the teams themselves. Um, so the format, as uh, one person, at least, did tweet us in asking about it, um, and I said that we would probably talk about it in this first bit rather than treat it as a separate question, but let's just give him a shout out for having mentioned it anyway. It was Antonio. Um, he says, what's with the two groups of 15? Is this true? It is, Antonio. It is. We've got an even more confusing format this year than we normally have for the Primera División. In fact, it's going to be very similar to the format for the Torneo de Transición in the B Nacional back in 2014. So two groups of 15. Everybody plays everybody else in their group once. And Classico rivals are in separate groups. So River are in group, I think it's group one, isn't it? Boca are in group two. Exactly. Racing are in one of the groups and Independiente are in the other. Central are in one group and Newell's in the, are in the other and so on. Um, every week there will be one inter-group match and it will be a Classico. So this weekend, for instance, the inter-group match is going to be... Bloody hell, I've forgotten completely... Uh, it's going to be Alba CB against Olimpo, which has been designated as a Clásico, apparently. Uh, next weekend, it's going to be Rosario Central against Newell's Old Boys, which is very definitely a Clásico, and so forth. And then there is going to be one um, round of matches which will be all intergroup matches and which will be the reverse fixtures of these Clásicos. Um, so everybody plays everybody else in their group once, and they also play one of the teams from the other group twice. So everybody ends up playing 16 matches. And the teams at the top of each group at the end of the season um, play in a one-off final in a neutral venue to decide the title. Um, there's going to be one team relegated and it will be the team who finish, as usual, lower in the points average table, which is still going to exist. 
and obviously the two newly promoted teams, uh, Atletico Paraná and Atletico Tucumán, are in different groups, I yep. believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, which means they don't get to play against each other. They're the most obvious um, relegation candidates. They're and the classic relegation and the candidates. Are they not a classical? That's a very good question. I'll have a look now. Which which round is the classical round? Is it round ten or round twelve? Round twelve is really good. Also, let's click that. Uh, round twelve is that doesn't look like a round of classical, does it? No. Uh, yes, it is the round of classical. Wow. Okay. Um, so according to this, Patronato's classico is Atletico de Rafaela, and Atletico Tucumán's classico is Belgrano. So they yeah. don't even two very historic rivalries. Yeah. They're, they're by far the most. Um, direct relegation rivals and they don't get to play each other yeah. at any point to decide the one team who'll go down Patronato do have two matches against Atletico de Rafaela who I suspect are, awful. are going to be way down um, in the relegation yeah side. Belgrano is a very decent team or was last year and so. Belgrano are a decent side yes yeah, so uh, also I was looking through when they were first announced and uh, group A for the title chasing teams because of the structure of the championship the fact that you're going to have to win your group anyway and then you play a final I don't think this makes a difference so if you're one of the big team supporters or if you're hoping to get into the next year's Sudamericana or Libertadores um, then I don't think there's too much grounds for complaints on this but where it will have an effect um, it is for these, these much weaker teams because Group A has got in terms of last year's league positions has got one team more who finished in the top 10 and has got two teams fewer who finished in the bottom ten last year. So Group A seems slightly tougher. It is. And that is the group, I believe, which Atletico Tucumán are in. Um, but it's also unfair for the title-chasing teams. Because, for example, Boca and River have to face each other twice. Oh, yeah, of course. And yeah. San Lorenzo has to face Huracán twice. Yeah, no, yeah. respect to Huracán, but yeah. Sure, so that's going to end up being unfair on whichever, potentially, whichever one. But then we said this last year, and San Lorenzo dropped five points to Huracan. Exactly, they, they and Boca won twice. Uh, exactly, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not, it's not a, an exact science, but on paper, it is unfair to have to face a much stronger side twice. No, totally. Um, the one that I do think is going to affect it, as I say, is it's going to be more for the relegation candidates, and I think that Patronato getting to play Atletico Rafaela means if Patronato can take points off Atletico Rafaela, then Patronato are going to be more favoured to stay up, whereas Atletico Tucumán don't have anybody who's sort of that far down. There are several teams, in fact, who are lower down than Atletico de Rafaela in the points average table. Um, but Atletico was so bad last year, they, they finished second bottom of the table last year. Second bottom, of course, to, to Crucero del Norte. Um, and so they seem like a team on the slide. Now then, teams outside the big five, because we're waiting for Fran to get here before dealing with the big five. So first of all, teams... Um, from outside the Big Five, who we see as potential upsetters of the established order this year. Who do we think? Can Rosario Central do it again? I mean, they have a very decent side and they had they had brought in some good players, but they are playing the Copa Libertadores as well. So I, I don't know what what will Codet, uh, the manager, do. Uh, I mean, if he'll focus on the on the Libertadores or on the national side. Uh, I mean, if, if they do place their focus on the national uh, championship, they will have a very decent chance of of winning it all. But uh, I don't think they'll do that. Uh, I mean, they will try to advance in the Copa, and that will take a lot of energy from them. And so I don't expect them to do as well as last year's. At least they have Margot Ruben still there, because there was a Dynamo Kiev uh, sort of, uh, well... Not they 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 weren't pushing Marco Rubin to to go back to to mm -hmm. to Ukraine, but uh, there was some doubts. Were some doubts whether they could 
uh, buy him and finally Rosario Central could do it, afford yeah. it. So, uh, and the Berlin players yeah, as well. No, they, they are a very strong side, one of top five, I, I'd say, no doubt about it. But I mean, they don't have that, that much depth in their squad. So, I mean, uh, it's going to be tough for them to, to compete in both uh, competitions. Uh, so I, I'm not sure about them just because of that. Independiente, perhaps, that has, doesn't have Copa they have Sudamericana, I think. But we'll do it with Independiente later because they are Big Five. Okay. Um, but outside the Big Five as well, what do we think of Belgrano's chances? Because you've already mentioned that Fede is, is a good team, quite rightly. Um, and they, were they in the Libertadores last year or the Sudamericana? They were in the Sudamericana. Yeah. Um, so they don't have, I don't think anyway, oh they are in the Sudamericana again aren't they? Yeah, but, but that's the second part of the year. Of course so. it is, so it's not going to affect this championship as much. Can they push for something this year maybe, do you think? I, would, I wouldn't think so. I mean, they, they were a decent side, but I don't think they have enough to, to challenge for a title. As, as, as I said, that Marco Rumen is there in, at Rosario. Serrashani is gone from... Serrashani is not there, Marquez and Rigoni and Chiqui Perez. Yeah. Uh, you, you may laugh, but he was key at the defense. Obviously. I mean, Celar Rashan was and has been a very promising young guy for, for the last couple of years. He's now out of Belgrano, and uh, I mean, they will, sh they will surely feel his absence. You, uh, the Belgrano supporters, if there is any, any hand up listener from Cordoba, Zelensky um, is always, uh, they, they may say, in Zelensky we trust, because yeah. the, he managed to. To, with players from the from the youth divisions, Spanish divisions, to and, and other players that came back, for example, I know Mauro Obolo, something like that, mm -hmm. to adjust the players to the system or, or, or the other way, and to build uh, hard and and, 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 and solid teams. Then, of course, uh, it's every year is a new new it's championship, and you have to see. But yeah, I, I'm quite confident that they'll they'll be decent and they'll. They will end up in the top five in the group. Yeah, we always, we always seem to say about Belgrano that uh, looking at the transfer dealings and how their summer went, you know, we're not quite sure can they keep. And then they always do manage to surprise us year after year. And one player who is back for them, who's, who could be big, is uh, Ole have actually listed him in their uh, summary of the transfer dealings so far without his first name. They've just called him El Picante Pereira. Um, Spicy. Cesar Pereira is back from loan. He was on loan last year at Sporting Cristal in Peru. Um, Claudio Biela has also joined um, from Quilmes. That's going to be an interesting attack. Yeah, and Luciano Vecchio joined last year, didn't play much. Mm. Um, some English listeners will remember him. He was uh, played at Leeds a lot of time, right? Mm -hmm. A couple of years. And he's, um, I mean, he's. I think he'll take a lot more minutes this, this championship. Yeah, I would expect him to. Um, so they're going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, who else? Which other teams? For well, potentially and, missing. And they have, sorry, they have a, a, a Copa America champion in their squad now. Jose Pepe Rojas from Chile. Oh, ah, really? yeah, of course I do. The Granada, yes. Other teams who could potentially be in the mix. I, I'm struggling I to name any, partly because the Big Five really seem to be the Big Five again all of again, a sudden. Yeah. Especially after last year, where four of them, four of them were in the top five, where they River weren't. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Boca, yeah. Boca were champions, San Lorenzo were runners-up. Uh, Racing and Independiente played in the... Yeah, of course yeah. they were, yeah. And um, it was a bit lower, but of course they, really, yeah. they were playing the, the Club World Championship, so... And of course, one of the Libertadores. Martin so will have Santiago Silva back, uh, who didn't, didn't do well at Arsenal, but uh, 
the last time uh, yeah, he was there, Banfield was champion, of course. They uh, lost a lot of players, Banfield. Yes. Uh, I mean, Domingo, uh, yeah. Domingo, Casares, exactly. Yes. So Mauricio Cuero has gone to Levante, Juan Casares has gone to Atlético Mineiro, uh, Nicolas Domingo has gone to River, of course. Enrique Bologna, Vitor also. Uh, now we're rising. Sergio Vito, Lucas Biantri, Facundo Castillon, Nicolas Bianchi yeah. Arce, especially their entire defense at some point, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Fernando Pellegrino. Um, so they've lost their goalkeeper. They've lost two very important defenders. They've and lost a number of midfielders and attackers. They've decimated the team. Yeah, and the manager in the middle of last season also. Almeida is now in Mexico. So I'll bring Fran in here because I've just cut a little bit for the benefit of listeners who don't want to hear uh, doorbells ringing and then a, a fairly long gap and with us talking Spanish to each other for a while. Um, so Fran has, has now arrived. Welcome, Fran. It's good to be back. Happy New Year. You, uh, same to you. <laughs> in February is a bit of a weird time to say, but still. Um, we've been discussing teams not in the Big Five uh, who we think are potential title challengers or who are going to do well this year. We've already mentioned, of course, Rosario Central. Uh, we've mentioned Belgrano, and we were just talking about how Banfield are definitely not going to be one of those teams. Uh, can you think of any others? Not off the top of my head. I would add Kilmes to the... Kilmes? To, yeah. I think they, they made some good additions. They were okay. they were decent in the, in the end of the season. I'm frantically trying to scroll down this massive... I would add Huracan. Huracan, I, I was going to mention them if they are out of the Copa in the in the in, in before the group stages. I, I think that Eduardo Dominguez made a very very serious job there. Not about, only because of the coach, but uh, and they have Marina Gonzalez, who is uh, some kind of Alessandro for River because of the age. But uh, if they if they are not out of the Copa, I, I would add to that list and. Uh, it's a fairly big if, though, because they seem to have a bit of a talent for knockout games. Exactly. And so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they end up being in the group stage of the Copa. And yeah, and then I, I will count them out. Who was, um, who was the really good midfielder who left? Bismara. Bismara. Yeah. To Racing. Yeah. But they, uh, they signed the Frizzler from Lemos. Mm. Let's go through all of Quilmes' uh, signings. First of all, they have let go. Facundo Sava, of course, has moved exactly. uh, to Racing to be manager. Uh, Rodrigo Gomez has gone back to Independiente after his loan run out. Claudio Biela, as we've just mentioned, to sign for Belgrano. They've also mm-hmm. said goodbye to Alexis Canelo, Joel Carli, uh, Fabian Asman, Ruben Ramirez. Asman, I don't think, was starting goalkeeper anyway, was it for them? He was second choice, if I remember yeah. rightly. Uh, Ruben Ramirez, Ariel Sifo, Martin Perez Guedes, Nicolas Cabrera, Nicolas Lopez, and Emmanuel Morales. And they have brought in, big deep breath here, Alfredo Grenac is the. T- the DT, the manager, who I've never heard of before, and I don't feel I have to be too ashamed of that, because it says here it's the first time he's going to manage a, a first team. Um, and the players they brought in are Ezequiel Rescaldani, Fernando Elisari, Sebastián Herreros, Damián Arce, Jorge Benítez, Daniel Imperiale, that's a fantastic surname, Gaston Bottino, Juan Celasha, Brian Mancilla, Maximiliano Paredes, Matías Orihuela, uh, and Ignacio Colombini. Rescaldani is come is from Almagro, who just yeah. won promotion to, to the, the second division. So that's a slightly yeah. left field signing for a Primera side. I feel they were decent under Sava. I feel they mm. have a couple good signings. Rescaldani uh, on the top of my head is Elisari as well. Uh, I'm not saying they will challenge for the title, maybe, but I wouldn't be surprised in the in the if they end up in the top five of the group. The change of manager is going to be everything because for the first half of last year they were awful. 
And then for the second um, half of last year, when Sava turned up, I think in the second half of last year, they were something like the third best team in the league. They, they yeah, went through other teams like an absolute train. Exactly. And sorry, this is important. The, I heard today on TV that they uh, went under strike because they weren't unpaid. That's what I was going to say. The club is kind of unstable financially. Mm. Yes, uh, Correct? Yes, well, it's yeah. an Argentine football club. But, yeah, but, but more, the, more significant but, than other crises. Yeah, but, but three days to, to, to undergo a, a tournament. I kind of heard about that, so I might, I no, might rethink no. my, Calello, my prediction. Calello saying, Adrian Calello, the former mm-hmm. Independiente and I think Dinamo Zagreb midfielder, mm-hmm. said that, well, there were uh, several months that they, they we are having, we are, we are unpaid, so it's a difficult situation, and, well, they will face rebirth three days time <laughs> uh, that is dangerous for River because it's not a yeah. comfortable situation but uh, uh, they have yes, Caldani and Elisari but they, they they have a lot of good players gone uh, like Valiera and yeah. Rupi Gomez a lot of Rupi Gomez was, was, mid, uh, was excellent for them. goals uh, yeah yeah I'm just looking down now and although Ole's team page doesn't actually mention this uh strike at all there is uh, their most recent friendly was a 2-1 defeat to Flandria which is one reason that we say you shouldn't ever really pay that much attention to what the goes friendlies. on in the summer friendly so, um, and afterwards Grelak apparently told the press that uh, their heads clearly aren't entirely on football which uh, goes to show what a difference that can make as it indeed it did for, for all boys um, for a, a large part of their relegation campaign and for Crucero del Norte last year as well it has to be said because although Crucero yeah. del Norte had the underlying problem of just not being very good at football um, they also were in quite open revolt against the uh, horrible way that their club were dealing with it and making them play away games and travel to away games more um, point and all the rest of it Outside the top five did you mention in Estudiantes? We mentioned Estudiantes and Gimnasia in as much as the uh, effect that all of those suspensions are going to have on them. Mm. And for that reason, I think we were ruling them out as title challengers because they've got mostly... Of course, Estudiantes aren't as badly affected as Gimnasia. They've got the goalkeeper um, and is suspended for half of the championship, which is going to really shoot them in the foot. Uh, But how do you think they can... Can they they get around it? They looked really solid in the summer, at least. Nothing exceptional, but... um, Lagata Fernandez scored a, an amazing goal against Boca. He looks sharp. It uh, looks very much, in fact, like a, estudiant, a good Estudiantes team, as you say. Nothing exceptional, but mm. they yeah. lost some players, though. Uh, Gil Romero is going on loan to Central, which I really can't explain. Yes, that's a good signing for Central, but I'm not sure why Estudiantes. And alone, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really can't explain that at all. And they lost some players, uh, but. Uh, Alvaro Pereira, well, we have mentioned that, and, yeah. and Ceruti, Exactly, as well, so, yeah. The next question is, there was a trio of big-ish teams, sort of just, just under the big five, but potentially I think all of them would be competitors to be called, or at least two of them would, would definitely be competitors to be called the sixth biggest team in Argentina, and the other have been a, a big team for a lot of the last decade, um, who last year underperformed very significantly. The teams I'm uh, thinking of in particular are Newell's Old Boys and Lanús, both of whom finished in mid-table, and the model club, Vélez Sarsfield, who finished 27th in last year's championship. I looked already, because I wrote a a, a season preview um, this week, or a two-part season preview last week and this week, for the bubble, um, into particularly who Vélez have brought in and out. 
and I'm not at all convinced that Vélez are going to do any better this year than they did last year or not significantly no. um, they've they let a huge in? number of players go and they've brought in some very very uninspiring signings yeah I'd say in a new manager Mariano Pavón has um, yeah. They have brought back Mariano Pavone from Racing. Christian Basedas, of course, is uh, the former Newcastle United player, is, is in as manager. It's his first managerial yeah. job. Um, Christian Lasuti has come in from Emelec. Blas Caceres uh, is um, arrived from Cerro Porteño in Paraguay. And Fabian Asman, as we mentioned uh, when we were going through Kilmes outgoings a little while ago, um, has signed for 18 months as goalkeeper. And Leaving apart from the, uh, the manager uh, Miguel Angel Russo, Milton Peraglio has left, Lucas Romero has left, Roberto Nani, Lucio Compagnucci, Facundo Cardosa, Brian Ferreira, Leandro Rolon, and Herman Ferreira. Um, none of whom are necessarily names that you would think, oh, they didn't have that good a year last year, but that's the whole point. They were pretty bad last year. You've got some of the main, the more expen- um, experienced players last year. Who've, who've left this year and a big part of Vélez's problem as I said several times last year in my opinion was a lack of experience in the squad um, they have some, too many young, some good young players also Compagnucci, Rolón and Cardoso were interesting prospects yeah precisely and, and yeah. it wasn't you know they, they had a lot of good young players last year who were not doing as well as they should have who were maybe a bit too much of a collection of individuals and that's why I thought they lacked that bit of experience mm-hmm. Because you have players like Fabian Cubero who just kept on playing and being sent off every time he got sent on, yeah. as it were. Um, and it's not the best example to set to the young guys, and therefore they didn't have any leadership. Um, so on the one hand, bringing in, I guess, Pavone, Nasuti, um, and Asman is, is, is going to add some experience to the squad. It's going to add a sense of these are the players to look up to. They're, they're decent professionals, if not all that gifted. And yes, but on and the they, other... And the gifts that... that that uh, there are still promises are, for example, Lucas Romero and Jamil Assad, mm. that are good values. Ro- did Romero sign the new contract? Because the one he had expires had expired at least this June, I think they and they were threatening not to to play him if he didn't uh, sign an extension. Uh, according to this... He continues. They, uh, yeah, I think he's still there, yeah. He's still, I mean, he, he, he has a contract uh, until June. I'm but sorry, of course, yeah, yeah. But... Uh, going crazy with the... Yeah, they were threatening not to play him if he didn't sign an extension, and he didn't want to sign an extension, so that could be another issue for them. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I don't think they will they will do worse than last year. They can't do any worse than no, last year. No, exactly. <laughs> Even if they had a, a worse team, they they will probably have a, yeah. a, a little better in, in, the, in the final positions, but uh, yeah. Uh, you have the element of a novice manager as well. Precisely. He, he might turn out to be brilliant, but he might turn out to be awful. Yeah. Relatively yeah. mediocre signings. Mm. I mean, you can't really expect much from them. No, precisely. And therefore, the next question, obviously, is can Lanús and Newells do any better? I wouldn't count Lanús in. No? Well, I mean, the big uh, storm of the of the week was caused by that Maxi Rodriguez article in, also, in yeah. Canchagena, mm-hmm. where he says he's basically at loggerheads with... Um, with the manager, Bernardi, yeah. and uh, the leader of the team at odds with the manager. Uh, poor season last season. It doesn't look good for them either. Not, but not they, bad, they but had not some decent signings. signings. Yeah, I think Sebastian Dominguez has come in. Yeah, he's decent decent. defender up in Italy. Yeah. Sebastian D'Angelo, um, who was uh, apparently he was at Tigre, but I can't yeah. remember him playing. And if he's not going to get a game in goal ahead of 
Javier Garcia. Yeah. He's a Boca youth, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Luis Amincula, the right back for the Peruvian national team, so that's very a, decent, yeah. a decent way of uh, replacing uh, Milton Casco six months after he went to River, mm. I guess. Emmanuel Insua, the former Boca mm. left back, I like him. Um, who okay. could turn out to be good, admittedly. Uh, yeah, and Fabrizio Formigliano, never heard of who him. we can't say anything about because he's been no. playing in Danubio, he's Uruguayan, uh, and we've not seen it before. They've let go Hernan Bernardello, which I think is probably a sensible move for them he's not getting any younger Oscar Rustari has gone to Atlas in Mexico um, Victor Figueroa he was decent also Victor Lopez who was their best defender for yep. quite a lot of the time he was there Martin Tonzo and Federico Fattori who if nothing else shouldn't be that much of a loss because I've never heard of him before um, is Tevez's namesake still there? Yes, Mauricio Tevez is... I don't think he's been sold. He's not been sold this summer, anyway. No, so no, he's, he's still there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they've also renewed the contracts of Diego Mateo. They've managed to hold on to Ignacio Scocco in spite of River Plate's best attempts to sign him. Uh, Marcos Cáceres um, is still at the club. But and the yeah. Ignacio Scocco. Yeah, as, he mentioned as, him. As yeah. He, he didn't move to River. Yeah, I mean, I, I would expect him to, to finish at least top five, six in their group. So that's not much to say anyway. The problem is that Maxi Lopez, as he said, uh, not also said he he was not good with the with. Yeah, he said. I, I think the he club itself, it's yeah. Like he mentioned, he he should have left Newell's, I think. Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, some time ago, uh, like he regretted staying there. Not because I mean th- there was some an incident with the the Barra shooting up his grandma's shooting house, his yeah. grandmother's house. So yeah, that surely is not a yeah. a good way to treat your idol. That's their own team's Barra, by the way, not, yes, that's the not Central's. Yeah. That, yeah. It just underlines what we always say about Barra's, which is that they're not supporters, and we should, yeah. the media particularly should stop treating them as such. And um, the people in general should stop glorifying them. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, Stop being inchas of the inchada. Um, and then for Lanús, since I mentioned them, again, I, I'd, I'd kind of agree with... with with Fede and I don't think they're going to improve significantly they've let a load of players go they've obviously swapped managers Guillermo Barasek Gilotto has left and Jorge Almiron has come in he's a, got potential to, to turn into a decent manager for them but the signings in and out seem to pretty much sort of cancel each other out to me I don't think anybody's clearly any better than the people they're replacing um, Mulch oh except for Pablo Mulch who could it, it's going to go one way or the other. He's not going to turn out to be an average, sort of understated, successful signing. He's either going to be phenomenal or he's going to be absolutely terrible. And I know which one I would bet on. Yeah. Um, but it's very unlikely, given that it's Pablo Moche, it's very unlikely to be boring, whichever way it goes. Yes, and he started that way because he, he was uh, signed the contract with Lanús, saying, I appreciate Lanús, but I want to go to Boca. Yeah. Come on, you're okay. It's, it's Bear in mind, he's not even left Palmeiras yet. He's on loan for six months from Palmeiras, so it's a. I mean, he's he, a wonderful man. I mean, yeah. I mean, I hated him at Boca. I have to say, but he, but he was never a bad player. That's no, the thing. But he, I, I remember we used to call him uh, Altito Chocador. Yeah. Like the first three years, it was like a bumper car. You know, he just ran into players with the ball, and then towards the last couple of seasons, he was at Boca. He was. He formed a partnership with Blandi that mm. was really effective. Yeah. That led Falcioni to win the. Was that Falcioni? I think that was Falcioni's yes. team, wasn't he? Yeah, the one that went yeah. like Because Svitanic was there. Yeah. Svitanic was there as well. Yeah. Okay. And um, 
And he was really good those last two seasons. I wouldn't say really good. I mean, he was okay. I mean, I don't think he's bad techni- technically. He's kind of fast. He... He's definitely fast. Very he's fast. Very left-footed. Uh, it's it's one of the only players I know that it's uh, it's not left-footed. I mean, it's it's not right, nor right-footed, nor nor <laughs> left-footed. I mean, he's I don't know, null-footed. Uh, I had to say, but I mean, his biggest uh, problem is his head. I mean, he's he was a very selfish player. He complained when Falcioni didn't uh, start him. So I mean, that's that's his his main problem, and uh, I think it continues to be the way he, he spoke when he. He's like that. It's like you take it or leave it. Yeah, I, I would leave it. But anyway, and I'm now I'm just scrolling up, and I was about to switch to the Big Five, but then while scrolling back up the page to get to the Big Five's transfers, I've come across Arsenal's list of transfers in and out, which I hadn't looked at. My God! Uh, so I'm going to go through these, and I really wish that we still had Santiago here, who's our resident Arsenal fan, or was until he moved to the Antipodes. Um, this is astonishing. They, they've got rid of... Ricardo Caruso Lombardi resigned as manager, as you may remember, towards the end of last year. And um, since then, the players out of Arsenal are Santiago Silva, Ivan Marconi, Matias Saldivia, Hernán Fredes, Santiago Treches, Alejandro Limia, Gastón Esmerado, Matias Sarulite, Cristian Chávez, all of the ones I've named so far were regular starters for them, by the way. Matias Campos Toro, who's gone to Watford, and I've never heard of him. Really? Um, Federico Laurito, Federico Rassi, Daniel Rosero Valencia, Jorge Corbello, Lucas Pugh, Esteban Siaceri, Leandro Godoy, and Fabian Munoz. Those are the ones who Arsenal have got rid of. The ones who, was, who have come into Arsenal are a new manager who is called Sergio Rondina. Who okay. I don't know much about. No. Um, and they've signed as players Joaquin Bojosian. Jonathan Bottinelli, Luciano Vela, Gaspar Servio, Franco Beloc, Shemar Gomez Andrade, Fernando Pellegrino, Juan Ignacio Sanchez Sotolo, Sotelo, sorry, uh, Gonzalo Papa, Adrian Martinez, Mariano Barbieri, Gabriel Sanafria, Gonzalo Bassan, Agustin Buletic. Leon, Leonardo Rolón, Herman Ferreira, Milton Senis, and Franco Costa. Almost two teams. Loads of these players are coming from Phoenix by Uruguayan clubs. That I mean, I mean, are Arsenal turning into the new Deportivo Maldonado, but for, for non-Argentine clubs? I think we're we're these all look like triangulations. These transfers is crazy. I think we're living in a in a in a time where we will transition to the place where Arsenal belongs, that is the lower division. Lower divisions, yeah. yeah. Now that Grondona has uh, passed up, passed mm. away, they will ultimately be relegated and go back to the way they should be. Let's so, hope so. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Arsenal fans. Yeah, I'm sorry, but that's <laughs> that's the way it was. Having listed all of those, it has to be said that as well, San Lorenzo have let a hell of a lot of players go. I'm not going to list them all now, but they are—they they haven't let like 15 first-team players leave. Um, but on that note, I think it's time to take a break. It's time to refill uh, mine and Andres' glasses and, and France as well, by the look of it. Um, and we will be back in just a minute to discuss the... The established title challenges, um, which I think really for this year, particularly after the way the league went last year just for a change, really, uh, are the big five. Um, So, don't go anywhere.
Okay, I think the easiest thing to do in order to uh, avoid any accusations of editorial favouritism, because as we all know, Hand of Pod is strictly neutral on all issues, uh, particularly regarding the Big Five, and we have no favourites here, uh, is just to go through the Big Five in alphabetical order. The very neat uh, thing as well, the, the consequence of doing that, is that it allows us to start this roundup of, of sort of who are going to be five of the main title hopefuls uh, win the defending champions, which I think makes sense. Um, and therefore with Boca Juniors, who of course uh, are Fede and Fran's team. I'll go through, first of all, for each of them, the, the sort of main ins and outs, um, and then I will ask you what you think. So Boca's main leaving players have been Jonathan Caleri, who uh, after flirting with Chelsea, which would have been quite funny, um, uh, ended up going to San Paolo via Deportivo Maldonado, um, which is probably an issue for a different podcast, to be honest, but still. Uh, Fabian Monson has left. Scored a ridiculous goal yesterday. Yeah, oh, did he? Yeah, I, heard, I heard that he scored, but I haven't seen very it. Very good goal. Okay. First, first ball he touched. Yeah. Uh, Fabian Monson, Jose Fuensalida, Claudio Perez. Uh, these have all left Boca. Claudio Perez admittedly wasn't playing for Boca, of course. He was on loan at Belgrano and has now gone to Banfield. And coming in, one or two big names. Um, a gentleman called Frank Fabra, who... I hadn't heard of, I'm not sure anybody in Argentina had heard of him before, but he's apparently pretty good. Uh, he's being looked at by Jose Peckerman for the, the Colombian national team. Juan Manuel Insaurralde comes back um, and is signed for two and a half years. Leonardo Jara is in. I think that's a potentially very good signing for a team who I thought sometimes lacked some width from fullback last year. Um, Jonathan Silva is perhaps not quite as good on the left, but is still you know, decent. And uh, the main name in for Boca Juniors. I'm not sure what you two think about this because, of course, you weren't here when he signed last year, but uh, Daniel Osvaldo. Are you happy or sad to see Mr. Osvaldo back, guys, for the second time in 12 months? I'm really excited. I mean, he, he's a, I mean, a different class of player. I mean, uh, he's obviously one of the top strikers in Argentinian football, top two, three strikers, uh, obviously behind Tevez. Uh, and his issues have been, obviously, his unprofessional behaviour can we call it and uh, his mental uh, or lack of mental strength in some sometimes and also it has to be said the way that that's been affected by his off pitch issues which exactly. he, he ran into a few legal problems with one of his ex-wives or girlfriends over exactly. their kids or something like no, that. He apparently he appears to be stable by that side yeah but I mean he's, he's sworn off Twitter apparently exactly <laughs> he's, I mean, to be on Twitter this year, so he's trying okay. to keep well. a lower profile this time and uh, I mean he's a very good player I mean there's no way we can discuss that he, he's played in some very good teams in Europe uh, even in the Italian national team and uh, if he can keep uh, I mean Tevez Osvaldo was the Juventus uh, partnership a year and a half ago so to have them in Boca now is obviously a whole other level for this league if they can uh, find each other in the pitch and uh, Robarena can find a, a, a tactic that suits them they will be extraordinary mm. I'm going to play the devil's advocate, uh, Boca fan side two. I like I like Osvaldo. I think he's a great player. Mm-hmm. I was happy that he was coming back. And then I started thinking, Caleri is only 22. He's shown that he can be, he can grow to be a very good player. He showed it last night. He came on the pitch and scored a, the the goal to to draw the match within nine minutes. It was a great lob, long ball, and he finishes it from about 20 yards out. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, 
Ovaldo is always going to be... Um, you're never going to know how he's going to turn out. And, he, and part two is that he has never been a prolific goal scorer. I was looking at his goal mm, stats yeah. the other day, and Caleri, his goal ratio must be better because I remember a lot of Caleri goals. Yeah, the issue with Caleri, I mean, maybe he, he wasn't uh, performing very good in important matches or in key matches. I, I really That's true. I really can't remember a goal he scored in, a, in an important match or an important place in the title race, for example. But Osvaldo? Osvaldo didn't play that much, I'd say. So no, but he, he didn't play in, in key matches at all. I mean, Arrabarena sat him in the bench in the first uh, leg in the, yeah. against the River. Yeah, yeah. But in, the, in, in Europe, did he score in important matches? I really he haven't certainly, I remember when he was at Fiorentina and he scored uh, a last-minute winner against Juventus, which in Italy is uh, Fiorentina-Juventus is, is quite a big rivalry. Um, in England, I remember him scoring... He scored one amazing goal for Southampton, I think against Manchester City. I remember that. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it's not really an important match. It was, you know, a, against a big a club. Like then, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, honestly, I'm not sure. But I think that that is that. Oh, well, that will depend with the team playing in, in important matches. It's not Osvaldo or Caleri are not to blame if the 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 team where they play that they don't play important matches. Well, you can say Boca River for. Libertadores where where Osvaldo weren't there because Robarena incredibly incredibly didn't uh, include him in the starting lineup. And but also he wasn't included in that match. Not yes. you know if I remember rightly because by that point Osvaldo uh, basically lost trust in him. No, no, he so didn't. Remember that there were three matches like in uh, in two weeks. Oh, of course, sorry, he yeah, played, he played him in the league one, didn't he? Exactly, yeah. played him in the league one. He, he was playing in the Exactly, in the first yeah. leg, and then as well in the second leg. Which he almost scores that goal that Barbero was incredibly saved him, saved that ball. Yeah, it was a poor finish anyway. Half, yeah. yeah. Then I think that, of course, uh, if you say it, uh, uh, they didn't score in, in important matches. Oh, that could be true, but also you have to analyze the team. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not I don't want to be too hard on Caleri. I mean, he was he was decent. I mean, he was maybe one of the best strikers we've had in, since Palermo retired. I'd say that's not really high by anyway. Hmm. But to get ten million dollars for Caleri, I think it's a great business for both. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, I agree. So I mean, I, you can reject. Also, but, but I mean, what it comes down to in terms of uh, what's best for the club in the medium term, I guess, is who had a better. Who is more capable of forming a uh, reliable partnership, a solid partnership with Tevez? I'd who, say as well. Who, who complements Tevez more? Mm. And I say Caleri. But the thing with Caleri is, if he didn't live now, he would have left like six months from now, a year from now. I mean, it's not long term. I mean, he's but, 22, but having, as you mentioned. But having said that, as we say, this is the second time in one year that, that Osvaldo signed for Boca, and the previous yeah. time he ended up leaving six months later as well. So the fact he's just joined doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be around for a long time either. No. Obviously, this time around, it's a, it's a four-month-long championship, so in terms of winning another title, that, that Yeah, but he signed a two-year contract, two-and-a-half-year contract. Sure, but it's Daniel Osvaldo we're talking Obviously, about. yeah, I know. It's something like 12 clubs in eight years or something. Ridiculous. One year yeah. and a half, I think, or two years, yes. Exactly. More rotation than uh, Mauro Sanate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't argue too strongly about any of them. They are two very decent strikers, and uh, mm. I'm happy to have any of them. Uh, I think the offer for Caleri was too good to, to turn yeah. down yeah. and uh, to have Osvaldo as a replacement is I mean it's in my personal opinion we have a stronger team with him but I mean it's not a big difference and if Fran uh, prefers Caleri I understand that too and I don't, I, I don't I'm, I'm just trying to look at it objectively mm -hmm. I know 
the Caleri is uh, sorry Osvaldo is just as good if not better than Caleri they're different types of players yeah and I know that the money was too good to turn down but if you look at Tevez and who his ideal strike partner would be it's it's probably Caleri mm. um, yeah because with Tevez and Osvaldo together you almost have I just look. I you've just you've almost got two, two strikers who both prefer playing off the shoulder of, a di- of another striker who's playing I, side. I, I was at the stadium in Mar del Plata for for the first uh, Super Clásico, uh-huh. and it just looked like Sorry. they just clashed. There was no chemistry between them. It is the first match, I guess, but they did play together in Juventus. So yeah, I, but I, it, it just left a lot of doubts, you know. Yeah, I think that the squad that are running affiliated in the in the front list lacked a lot of uh, width. Mm. I mean, there were most of the midfielders were like central midfielders, and and, uh, and this this brings me on to my next point because obviously, I can't. I don't think it was since our last recording because we recorded just after the the Club World Cup had taken place. So I think the the Boca election would have been a couple of days before that, wasn't it? But obviously, Daniel Angelisi uh, was voted back in as Boca president, and that means that uh, Rodolfo Robarena. Um, is still the manager um, and I'm not a Boca fan of course but I'm aware that there are some Boca fans who whilst not necessarily wanting him out tomorrow are dubious about how good of a manager Alvaro Barrena really is even after winning a domestic double last year and is he in some way the, perhaps the team's biggest weakness rather than anything on the pitch or yeah I'd say that as you were saying earlier Fede that if, if they don't beat San Lorenzo for the Supercoppa Argentina it could be curtains I mean, the thing with Arborena, I mean, I like, I, lo- I loved him as a player. He's a club guy, so uh, born from the youth, uh, from the youth uh, side. I mean, I don't want to be too hard on him, but he had two series. I, I, I can't really think of a manager that l- loses two series against River and keeps his position. Mm-hmm. I think one of the first uh, people who got, uh, who profited and benefited from the Panadero Diaz and the Pepper Spray attack. Was Arrarena because had he lost that match on the pitch, he he would surely oh, have had to mean. resign. Yeah, I mean losing two two series in, against River is just too much, mm-hmm. and I and, and I really can't see him turning that around. I mean the the, the way he behaved uh, and leaving out all the, the the tactical decisions he made and the the the, the side he 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 fielded. I mean the mentality he 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 brings to that games. You mean winning? You say that the the the. People at Boca, uh, when they put thinking about him as a, as a future, mm-hmm. they don't see it. I mean, I remember a quote uh, from him uh, before the, the, the Copa Libertadores clash against River, uh, like 15 days uh, before that. Uh, he said, OK, here comes uh, 15 days of cagazo. So, uh, which I, I really don't know how to translate, but of fear. You're shitting yeah, yourself. Yeah, you're yeah exactly. Yourself weeks, yeah. And, I mean... Th- that's not the mentality for a, for for a manager. I mean, uh, and and I and I can and I can try to to put myself in the place of a player and listen to my manager say that. And uh, what 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 does that transmit to me? Mm. So, I mean, I really can't see him turning this around. Moving on to the next of the big five, we're not going to spend this long, of course, on all of them. Uh, partly because obviously we don't have supporters from Independiente or Racing or San Lorenzo with us this evening. And so, relatively quickly, let's go through. Uh, Independiente, um, who on the one hand I think are the least likely of the big five to mount a title challenge this year, just looking at the squad and and how things have have gone over the summer, but on the other hand, 
possibly cancelling that out. They're the only one of the big five who aren't involved in the Copa Libertadores. Racing are in the playoff leg and they've got one one foot in the group stage really after last um, last night's 2-2 draw away to uh, Puebla. Um, so Independiente aren't going to have any continental qualification worries, uh, continental uh, participation, sorry, to worry about. Um, they brought Herman Denis back. They've got Rodrigo Gomez in, uh, back from loan to Quilmes. Uh, Leandro Fernandez is coming from Godoy Cruz. And he was Leandro, excellent for them, yeah. He scored 15 goals in 28 games last year, playing for Godoy Cruz, who were crap last year. Um, he so, was linked to Boca. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And was playing in Godoy Cruz as well, although a year and a half, two years ago, it would have been surprising to hear that Godoy Cruz were, were not producing very many goals uh, when they were scoring 45 in a 19-match championship or something. Um Last year they, they were very bad and much more defensive than they have been. So I'm going to be interested to see how Leandro Fernandez does in what's going to be a very attack-minded Independiente team. They've let Federico Macuesio go. Of course, he's been sold to Flamengo. Matias Pisano has been sold to Cruzeiro. Apart from that, most of the other signings are sort of in and around the first team, but none of them are as key as that. And in Macuesio's case, of course, they had a good long time to look at it because he was injured or suspended or, or not playing quite at the level he'd been. Uh, previously for, for a fair portion of last year um, and therefore I think they've replaced fairly well I'm going to tentatively say that they, they could improve a little bit on last year I don't know whether they're going to be title challengers but it wouldn't surprise me to see them very close to the top of whichever group they're in yeah I, I, I think they'll, they'll, they'll challenge for the title and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get it uh, I think Peregrino is a very, very good manager, very promising. He, the Independiente, the second half of the season for Independiente was was quite good, and uh, they they had some very good players. And mm. yeah, I and think they'll be there. The best, uh, the best signing was the not leaving of Martin Benitez. I think yeah. because he was uh, on he the was point linked of to Real Madrid as well. Yeah, because on, on the point of leaving to Galatasaray, finally they they didn't agree with the numbers. I think. Yeah. Or uh, Independiente finally said no. Well, uh, we will keep uh, Martin Benitez, which, which is very good news. Even Bocini saying, uh, if we want to win anything this year, uh, we have to keep uh, mm-hmm. Martin Benitez. And mm. I think this is the best chance in quite some time, a decade. Yeah, they've definitely consolidated yeah, themselves yeah. since their relegation, and Pellegrino, as Fer said, is a very good manager. Mm. Yeah, the only weak link I can think of is the, their goalkeeper. Yeah, which the independent fans resist. He's had some mistakes, but he's been well, very good. Why do they have such a big problem with him? I got asked this towards the end of last year. Somebody emailed me a question for Hand the Pod, um, which I missed in my email inbox, and therefore it didn't get read out. But what is the big problem? Well, I was at, I was at the, the Boca Stadium yeah, when uh, that goal. when he uh, he just like fell asleep and Caleri just pinched the ball off of him. Mm. Yeah, and I think the breaking point was a uh, game against uh, Independiente de Lashi, I think, or Independiente de Medellina, I can't recall. Independiente de Santa Fe. He has a lot of, a lot <laughs> of yeah. blunders. It was what, another Independiente, and uh, he had a penalty, uh, which he missed, and then he considered a very silly goal. Right. So that was like the breaking point with, with their fans. And uh, he, he also considered very, very poor goal against Racing in the friendly this summer. With his feet, he hesitates a lot coming out of, of goal. But yeah. He's, he, yeah, yeah. he was good for some time, so if he can return to that form, he'll be okay. But if he doesn't, I mean... He's good technically with, with very, very punctual mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for a goalkeeper, that's... Yeah. 
moving 300 metres down the road from Independiente, how are Racing going to do? They brought in Facundo Saba as manager, obviously, from Quilmes. That's the, the biggest signing, I Spectacular signing, that, yeah. uh, signing, sorry, spectacular run that Quilmes had in the second half of last year. Uh, Lisandro Lopez has come back as well. Rodrigo de Paul has uh, returned on loan from Valencia for six months. Um, they've got a couple of other players in as well. Federico Bismara, who we've I think we mentioned earlier from Huracan. Yeah. Um, and they've let go. Mariano Pavone is probably the biggest name who in, who Racing have let go, and that's yeah, not really going to damage the team too exactly, much at all, yeah. is it? He's Mariano Pavone. Brian Fernandez, of course, is. Um, a major out because he's still suspended until the 9th of July um, due to his uh, they're still calling it doping when yeah. I don't yeah, know how performance enhancing cocaine actually is but yeah. you know um, but Racing have got to have a decent tilt at the title here surely they've still got a very strong def- uh, attack which I think they've added to if anything here um, Diego Melito has been a bit questioned uh, over the one competitive match and a couple of friendlies that we've had so far this year um by the fans, they've sort of say he's passed it, but I think that Milito still is going to bring something to the attack. He's clearly, he's not lost it overnight. So, you know, I think they need to be a bit more patient with him. Um, but I'm going for Racing as as one of the title favourites. Let's not forget my uh, favourite Paraguayan wonder kid, Romero. Yeah, he's mm. he's been great. Yeah, who they've kept hold of, of course, as well. Yeah, yeah which is as as we said with Martin Benitez for Independiente, it's almost as good as a signing. Maybe in this last season that Milito will play them. What he'll bring most is the, the mental leadership, you know? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he's um, set, He's already announced that uh, he's, he's going to be retiring in six months' time, so yeah. this will be the last championship. I guess if they make the Copa Libertadores final, he might decide to hang around for another few weeks. To and, play. and Acuna, for me, he's underrated. And he, he might uh, hire a, a marketing <laughs> agency because he, he's, he has not good press. But, uh, and, and talk, sorry to interrupt on this, but also talking of... of players who are continuing and are almost as good as new signings. Gustavo Bo and Luciano Lolo went last towards the end of last year, I think we were asking Dan, so you're obviously going to lose at least one of them, which would you rather keep? Uh, I think he for Lolo, uh, for, for Lolo, but somehow they've managed to keep hold of both of them. Rather keep Lolo over Bo? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because he, he felt that the defence without Lolo was going to be damaged more than the attack would be mm. without Bo. They, they have more strength in depth in attack. Um, but they've managed to keep both of them, so it doesn't matter. And, and that, that is magnificent for them. Mm. Okay, on to River. Uh, and if we've been um, recording this 24 hours earlier, we might not have been able to talk about the most biggest name of, of River's signings, which is Andres D'Alessandro, who has just returned to the club. Same name um, as me. At the age of 34, I think he turns 35 in April. March. He's ah, yes. 35 oh, right. almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he's... I've always really liked him until today when they asked him what shirt number he'd have because obviously Gonzalo Martinez has got the number 10 uh, and he said I'll wear 99 or 98 or 97 or even 35 which is the age I'm turning and I thought no there's a shirt number purist hang on let's talk, let's talk about I mean this may sound uh, a little you know weird but let's talk about him without his shirt on he looked in incredible shape <laughs> for a, a guy who's almost 35 yeah, yeah, he's been playing. I mean, he's, he's captain Internacional for the last eight years. And he, in, play, he played quite like a few days ago, right? Yeah, he, yeah, I think it was yesterday or yesterday. In fact, they won the the Super Copa, the no, Super, the super no, Cup for um, Rio Grande do Sul. So apparently, even the state championships in Brazil have Super Cups, which is a bit over the top, but still. So he won another title, um, and uh, apparently played pretty well, and then got on the plane to come to River, um, which is a nice way of bidding farewell to the fans, I suppose. But he's um, 
I think that, as you say, he's clearly not a, uh, without wanting to be too cruel to them, but a Saviola or an Aymar yeah. who are coming Especially back. an Aymar who was perhaps for the love terrible of the shirt, physical condition. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't doubt that they came back for the love of the shirt more than yeah. anything, but also uh, perhaps shouldn't have really bothered. Um, so he's going to, I think, add a little bit of depth in that, that playmaking position for River. But elsewhere in the midfield, we were discussing during the break already, um, that River perhaps have had a... It, it's been tricky. They had to replace Carlos Sanchez at relatively short notice. Uh, they went for that for uh, Ignacio Fernandez from Gimnasia, who I think is, is fantastic. Uh, and over the summer, I didn't watch any of the matches, but I was frequently on Twitter during them. And a lot of River Plate fans seem to be very surprised that Ignacio Fernandez knew how to kick a ball in the right direction, um, which only can suggest to me that they'd never watched Ignacio last year, because I thought he was very good indeed. Um, they've unfortunately had to replace Matias Kranevita with their own uh, former River player, Nicolas Domingo, who's coming from Banfield, who's not a bad number five, but he's not all that good a number five either. Um, yes, of Andres, course. Andres, how are you feeling about River's general sort of transfer... Yeah, I think it's good sure. with, of course, Alessandro higher heights. It uh, puts the, 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 the sensations a bit uh, like better taste of mouth mm. than, than yesterday, like you said. Uh, except for Kranavitter, that was very difficult for, not to say impossible, to, to replace. Uh, and, and, and River did it with uh, Domingo and Arzura. Domingo was, is already known for River because, as you said, former player. Andersura is a question mark, uh, but uh, did well at, at Tigre. Uh, I th- except for that decision, uh, uh, that decision is I think is very very good. Uh, with Alessandro, it's like the frutilla del postre. I don't yeah. Know, the I'm, I'm just the cherry on the cake. On the cake I'm, I'm sort of looking at this and thinking something that that Fran mentioned during the break, which is that the squad, particularly in midfield, perhaps just looks a little lacking in depth but having said that now that I'm saying this I'm remembering that we were saying precisely this a year ago as well and last year didn't go too badly for River so you never know I mean football could surprise you but in terms of other players or or indeed in this case a manager who are staying on and are almost as good as a signing uh, Emmanuel Mamana's um, transfer he was going to be sold for 9 million euros to Fiorentina. Fiorentina Um, and that fell through because apparently just as he was about to get on the plane Fiorentina sent a message to River saying oh by the way we actually want you know we want to pay you far less for him so they cancelled the transfer it was, it was 8 instead of 9 oh really yeah. so it, wasn't, it was a million it wasn't euros less, but, yeah, but there's a percentage going to the family as well so it would have meant a little more of a difference for River perhaps but yeah I mean still well, you can't just all of a sudden send a million euros less. No, precisely. Yeah, notice. that's the thing. I mean, it doesn't. It, it might, may or may not be a significant amount of difference, but the principle: if you're going to piss us about just as we're about to put him on the plane, then up yours, and I'm perfectly okay with that. And also, Marcelo Gachardo, who it wasn't really sort of ever talked about. Oh, we think he's going to leave or anything, but then it transpired towards the um, end of January that he'd apparently turned down three job offers from European clubs over over the Argentine summer. One of whom were Olympic Lyon. Uh, and Leon? Leon? No, Marseille, sorry, Marseille, his, the former... Um, no, I, think I think it was Leon. Yeah. 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 It was yeah. Leon, yeah. yes. Yeah. No, sorry, yeah, right. he used to play for Monaco, didn't he? I'm really confused with... Exactly. Yeah. Um, so he turned down the Leon job and apparently two others in Europe because he definitely wants to stay at River for at least another year. His contract runs until the middle of 20... 
He definitely has a bright future so, ahead of him. Sure and in fact, I wanted to say this before we moved on to the, to the next uh, topic when we were talking about Boca. Mm. I think the main difference between Gajardo and El Vasco is that Arena hesitates and is slow to make changes and yeah. take, make decisions. And Gajardo is very assertive. Mm. That's the main difference. Sure. Yeah, and uh, Gajardo is much more a cook manager as well, <laughs> I'd say, yeah. We have to say that, uh, that there is a, a thing with the age of the players, of course, with Alessandro 35, almost 35, even with a good physical condition or, or very good. They also Alonso. signed Ivan Alonso from Nacional in Uruguay. Yeah, that's, that's the position. played in Argentina before and he's 36 years old. Um, yes, and he, uh, Lucho Gonzalez, who, who has been already in the, in the, in the squad, with three key players with the high age. Well, uh, we have mentioned Vélez with no uh, high age players, except for for Cubero and Pavone, and River has this uh, part of, of experience needed, but we have to see how they respond, uh, of course. Yeah. yeah, I think that River lacks a bit of depth in defense, uh, and it has shown. Yeah, if, and it's one reason I say that keeping Mamana, is, is even very if it good happened accidentally, is, is good for them, because frankly, I don't know, Obviously, you've got uh, Maidana and, and Alvarez Palante is going to be the, the, yeah. the first choice partnership, but then you have Mamana stepping in when, particularly I guess, when Maidana is injured or suspended. Uh, and beyond them, if they end up with two centre backs of those three, either injured or suspended at the same time, then they're going to be yeah. struggling to put men in front of uh, Marcelo Barrovero. Um, and also, who has also announced that he's leaving the club in, in six June, months time yeah. because he wants to go to a lower profile. Thing apparently, yeah, I don't know. It's a lower profile thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't like the pressure of, of playing for River and um, or for, for any big club, and he wants a bit more time to spend with his family. He's very grateful for, for what River gave him the chance to do, but he's not, uh, he's more of a family man than a footballer, apparently. Yeah, so whether he actually pretty weird, up, yeah, you know, he, might, he might end up going on looks a free like transfer to somewhere in Brazil or Mexico for all we know, but uh, yeah, it looks like he's not comfortable at, at signing uh, autographs and, and, and photos and. Yeah, he's a very shy person. Yeah, yeah, he wants to go to the cinema or to, or to a restaurant and not to be bothered with yeah. by, by fans. Understandable, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, and the, and the striker position for River is also a question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Alario is, is decent. I mean, he's been good. Mm. It's not been excellent, though. And Alonso is, I don't know, it's an open question for me. I, I would say Alario's been excellent more than anything because he scored in the big games. Obviously. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. in terms of what he was bought to do when he came in, obviously right before the semi-finals of the Copa Libertadores, um, I, I think in that, in that respect I'm perfectly happy but again there's a lack of depth let's say beyond those two you can compare with Caleri you have said uh, that uh, Caleri like did perform did, in, the, in the important matches but, yeah. both, but both came to biggest clubs in Argentina after relegating with their clubs exactly all boys uh, with Caleri with all boys and Alario with, with Colón Caleri didn't perform in the big matches exactly and yeah. I already did okay. that's, that's, it's like the opposite yeah. Sorry, back to so the I guess you almost want one rabbit killer and one big <laughs> yeah. match player and if you get both of them in the same club then they'll be laughing back yeah. to the midfield mm. Rivers starting midfield is the strongest in the league are we, are we uh, in, a, in agreement I, about I, that? I would either agree or say that if it isn't then it's, it's not far off yeah. the problem is going to be What's, what have they got beyond that? <laughs> yeah. Well, Boca has that same problem, mm-hmm. and they don't have a solid midfield, a starting midfield. Mm. Or a solid. That's right. I'd rather I'd yeah. rather have a solid midfield and not many substitutes than have true. a. True. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> in, 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 in terms of 
In terms of the title contention, I think the other thing that, that perhaps shoots both teams in the foot really going for the domestic title is the fact that River won the Copa Libertadores last year. I think that that's going to mean, obviously, River are going to be able, eager to defend their title in, in South America. And it's also going to mean that Boca are going to be concentrating even more on the Libertadores than they normally would, because although you know, I know that the Libertadores is the, the main aim for Boca every year they're in it, perhaps the fact that River are the defending champions just makes it even more so... <laughs> Yeah. And both, I think, are going to end up neglecting Boca, the league. Absolutely. If not, I would make them the two favourites. Boca the will program. absolutely neglect the league yeah. this season. They yeah. don't, Boca fans don't care about the league mm. whatsoever. Yeah. Whereas River, I can see sort of sticking with it for a while, but then because of the lack of depth, and they're obviously going to be needing to prioritise the Copper, and the group stages in the Copper particularly come very thick and fast, and it's going to be the opposite to last year. Last year, we were saying there are fewer matches per half of the year. Uh, for Argentine clubs to deal with in um, in in the uh, the championship because of the way the championship was spread, and that's going to mean that Argentine clubs are going to be relatively strong in the Libertadores, which is more or less how it turned out. Boca obviously won the group stage, and I think would have gone far deeper into the competition if the round of 16 hadn't turned out the way it did, um, and River ended up winning it. And this year it's going to be the opposite. The matches are going to be much thicker and faster during the group stage, uh, during the, the championship, because they have to get the championship wrapped up by mid-May. And that's going to have a knock-on effect for how those teams can, can perform in, in the group stage. It's going to take a lot out of um, all of the teams who are in the Libertadores group stage, I think, this year. And, and exactly. What I think is that uh, this, this year, comparing to the last one, uh, there will be more, not that uh, sort of craziness if you end up in the very first position in the general table of the groups or the last one because well as you as we know the last year the one who ended the, in the last position finally won the cup and the and the first of all well finally didn't so mm. that in that case it will be like more not that expectation for we have to end in the first position because we have to play against another team That will be more like... A, yeah, and yeah. A, a Boca River rematch in the Libertadores would be oh, yeah, that's incredible. Be, yeah. Probably would have to be played behind closed doors both legs. <laughs> <laughs> Blood would definitely run yeah, on the streets of Buenos Aires. You, you see what happened with uh, Emanuel Julio, an Argentinian guy that uh, played for Las Palmas last year and was uh, not insulting but not talking very, very well about uh, Zaragoza, the rivals. Mm. Now he went to Zaragoza to play. <laughs> and the, the, the supporters were like... Hey, wrestling at him and, and, and shouting, he faced him, and with no uh, fans there, yeah. they were face to face, saying, I, I, I beg your pardon, I, I, I apologize, but Zaragoza is bigger than we, than, than me and you, and you have to see what I do in the field. <laughs> oh yes, come on, and, and, and finally they yeah. applaud him. So, yeah. Any any player who's come out who's come through the Argentine league knows how to deal with yeah. ridiculous amounts of, of rivalry. That's one thing that you have to say for this place. The final one of the big five in alphabetical order is of course San Lorenzo, um, and they have made certainly one very very big change um, over the the summer. His manager. Thank you, indeed. Uh, the manager has, has changed, and I, I think that the extent to which Edgardo Bausa was, was seen as a defensive coach uh, last year was slightly overdone. I mean, he was definitely safety first, but, but I don't think he was you know, exactly Mr. Catenaccio. Um, but Pablo Guede has come in as manager to replace him after he stepped down at the end of last year. 
And um, we don't know very much about Pablo Guede because he was manager in the lower divisions here in Argentina before going to Chile. And he's more recently been manager of Palestino. Um, what we do know from uh, what, what we've been told and also from what we've seen over the summer is that he's a very attacking manager. And interestingly, although they've had a more safety-first approach for the last couple of years under Bowser, who of course won the Copa Libertadores for the, club's, the first time in the club's history, um, I think that San Lorenzo have the squad to, to play a more attacking game as well. They've got talent in attack and talent in defence. Um, they have let their effectively their first-choice central defensive partnership go. Uh, Mario Chepes, the 114-year-old Colombian, um, has not renewed his contract. Has he retired? He's retired. Uh, yes, yes. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he has done. I've missed that bit. I just stopped reading at the bit where the sentence says he's not renewed his contract. Um, so he's retired as well. And Maro Cheto, um, or Seto, if we're going to uh, not insult him in Argentine Spanish, um, has gone back to Rosario Central. They've brought in, as well as Gede, Fernando Bellucci, who's a very interesting signing in midfield. Yeah, very good um, signing. Would you have had him back at River, Andres? Uh, well, uh, when, when I mean, he, he left, left River in 2003 or something, I think the f- yeah. oh, that late, really? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, sorry, I'm thinking of uh, D'Alessandro. Yeah, sorry, uh, by that way, he, he did good. Uh, he, he had some, perhaps, irregular performances, but in the end, he was uh, yeah, attractive to see and to, to watch. Uh, but does, does anyone know in what kind of form he was at Cruz Azul? No. No, no not really. No, not sure. Um... I, I did get a bit of a weird moment when I saw him, um, uh, when I saw the photo of him being unveiled with basically a shaved head because I remembered him at River with, yeah, the, with dreadlocks. dreadlocks. Yeah. Um, mullet, so more like, right? Done? He had a mullet at one point. He did, yes, a very, very yeah. bad mullet. I think that was when he was at Newell's and then he, he moved to River and got, got it dreaded instead. And it was, uh, neither of them were particularly good styles. But in any case, uh, Ezekiel Ceruti has come in for $3.5 million, which I think is a very good signing up front. And they've made a very good signing indeed for a free transfer. Um, they've signed uh, Nicolas Navarro from Gimnasia, the goalkeeper, um, which is going to add some depth. And a few others as well. But San Lorenzo, I'm going to go for potential title challenges with, with that squad and with a, a very forward-looking um, approach. I, I think they could do some damage. Even with Libertadores participation? Yeah, because they have a very tough they've group. They've got a little more depth. They do have a very, good, a very tough group. Um, and that could end up helping them out when it when we get to the sort of thick end of the title race. If they, they get out of half the Libertadores anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so starting strikers, Matos. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, I, I would have thought Matos with with Ceruti playing just off him, or possibly Matos in the middle, and then you've got Ceruti and or the other way, Ceruti and somebody else outside maybe. Blandi, Blandi is still there front. as a substitute. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately for them. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Blandi and Muche. <laughs> and and they've got yeah. Calderucci still as well. Um, so I think they've got decent depth throughout the squad Most they have let go as I mentioned earlier a lot of players but most of them apart from Shepes and, and Cheto um, are players who were in and around the first 11 rather than nailed on first team starters for every match um, so I like some of chances this year uh, we're going to play a little more music now and when we come back we will discuss uh, the uh, well basically we won't discuss very much at all very quickly go through your first lot of listeners' questions of 2016, and then we're going to have a bit of a change to the mystical section of the podcast that we normally do, and I will explain it when we get there, but for the moment, don't go away.
listeners' questions. We'll get straight into them. Um, we have had ooh, one or two so far. Uh, Darren Paul, first of all, has sent a tweet to say that all boys in Crucero del Norte have got nicer kits than he has ever seen them have during his time watching Argentine football. I've not seen them yet because uh, they're down in the second division, but good for them. It's always nice to know about a nice football shirt. And then, with, beginning with the questions, Antonio tweeted in the, the question about the new format, which we answered earlier. Jake Mercer wants to know... Sorry, I pronounced that surname as if it was Spanish, and it's not, of course. Jake Mercer wants to know uh, which striker returning to Avellaneda is going to perform better, Lisandro Lopez for Racing or Germán Denise Independiente? Oof. I'm going to go for Lopez, um, but that's just because he sort of, let's say, outperformed Denise for most of his career in terms of being a more prominent forward. What do we think? Yeah, but he hasn't played at a very high level in the past years. And no, Denise has, thing, I mean, he was in Italy, so... I mean, really, I've not seen either of them for bloody ages, so... No, I mean, that's why I say Denise. I say Denise because he was very prolific for Atalanta. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, he's playing in Serie A, and Lopez was playing in Qatar for a lot of oh, years. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. And then in Inter, he, he didn't play that much. So a lot's going to depend on how Lopez is physically, I think. Um, he's injured now, by the way. So oh, in that case, he's not great. So I'm going to change my mind. <laughs> so let's make it four nothing for for Denise in terms of our predictions. Uh, Lawrence Hart says, "Have the Argentine journalists' union considered suing AFA for the symptoms of writers' cramp generated by matching ma- uh, by writing all of the match reviews?" No. You're severely overestimating the dedication that Argentine journalists show to writing match reviews of anything other than the Big Five games, basically. And he also asks, who is going to be this year's surprise package team? I've mentioned Kilmas. So you did, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. So I suppose your duty about to stick. I say Atletico Tucumán, they want to promote. As in, you don't think Atletico Tucumán? Yeah, the surprise, be, uh, as the surprise, uh, basically, uh, to end in the not. They'll be very comfortable, and that that's going to be. Yes, I think they will be there in the fifth position of their group or fourth. I'm going to go out of left field and say Godoy Cruz. I think they they could improve. They seem to have one good season followed by a terrible season and then another one. So I'll go for this one being a good one. Fran? I'm going to say Vélez just on the off chance because they okay. are they have been a stable, solid side in, re- in the past 10 years and they could always improve. Back, you know? Yeah. yeah. The other thing with, with, with Belles as a prediction is you've got some insurance there because if they do terribly they want the no, worst no one's going to mind you predicting them as a surprise and if they do well everybody's going to think you're a genius for picking them out so well done uh, Darren Paul comes back to ask will Racing be champions will Oscar Romero build on his great year to shine in the league um, and what mate do you drink and how uh, Racing champions first of all very quickly I didn't. I'm going to go with no but as no. we already said I think challenges yeah yeah. Yes. Uh, is Oscar Romero going to build on last year? Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think well. Independiente are the main title contenders because they're okay. not playing Libertadores. Mm. Yeah. And which mate do we drink? Me, uh, my girlfriend and I've got a big bag of uh, Plasadito at the moment, which we bought whilst we were on holiday in the provinces uh, in December because it was cheaper than Rosamonte, and it turns out to be a bit nicer than Rosamonte as well. So we've stuck with it here, even though it's slightly more expensive in Buenos Aires. Gentlemen. I, I don't drink mate by myself, I only drink when they give it to me, and so I don't have a, a brand or a, a specific one. I like myself some La Tranquera. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah, I've never heard of it. Fede? Uh, Rosamonte, yeah. And I'm assuming we all drink it 
properly rather than Gossito. No, yeah. Properly, obviously. properly. No sugar. And also exactly, during, I, th- I thought he was. And when it's very hot in summer as well, uh, with some iced uh, orange juice the, or similar, it's very It nice. was a, an historical sponsor of, of Racing T-shirt. Yes, of yeah. course it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you'll recognise them, Darren. Uh, Darren also asks, will, where will your listeners be able to listen to Racing games in English, assuming that the Football Paratodos YouTube deal is still available? And the answer there, he has prefaced this with saying it's a bit of a cheeky question, because the answer is on Darren's very own Rabble TV um, account. As I said earlier, we are looking for sponsors. So, Darren, if you want us to keep plugging you each week, then you can bung about uh, uh, 200 quid my way per month, and I'll be happy to mention you each month. Um, and finally, he says, it's great to have you back. And vamos hop. Thank you very much indeed, Darren. Uh, Aidan asks, which teams have made the best off-season acquisitions? Acquisitions and ignoring letting people go. Um, Boca. Yeah? Yeah. River, Boca and Central, I think. San Lorenzo. As well, and San Lorenzo as well, in terms of Russell keeping up well, the level. Yeah. It, it's been a lot of, I mean, as it always is really with Argentina, I guess it's uh, with all the club's economic states, it's just to do with who can best tread water and maintain the level they had last year. Uh, Travis Schumate, or possibly Schumate, sorry, um, says, who has more to prove, Daniel Osvaldo or Andres D'Alessandro? Oh, Daniel Osvaldo. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd yeah. agree, yeah. What, what is the question, sorry? Who's got more to prove? Yes. Yeah. I mean, D'Alessandro's just coming off eight years of captaining a Brazilian and club with whom he won a whole bunch of titles, including the Libertadores and Osvaldo is. D'Alessandro will sign Not. or have signed a one-year contract or ten months because December is ten months' time and he will go back to Inter and retire there because he has his history there, his idol of Inter Porto Alegre and River. Uh-huh. Uh, even though he, he, he started playing there yeah. uh, at River. Uh, so it's, will, it will be one year term contract and then he will come back. So prove as well as the other way, the other, in the other hand, it will, I think he will be one year and a half or two years. I don't, I'm not really sure, but Osvaldo's also about six years younger, right? He's like 29. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't, have, he doesn't have a history at the club. D'Alessandro has a yeah, history exactly. at River. Yeah. That's why I think Osvaldo, Osvaldo has, has to prove. Yeah. everything yeah. to prove. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Hart says, I'm not sure whether this will be of interest to you or not. It's been organised by another Gillingham supporting friend. Um, Strood, where Isaac Newell was from, is part of the Medway towns. And uh, this may not mean very much to the other three gentlemen sitting with me, as you're all Argentine. Um, but Isaac Newell, of course, the founders, uh, the founder of the school, um, of, of Newell's school in Rosario, and then his son was one of the founders of Newell's old boys. Um, they are in the town where he was born. They're planning on building a statue of him to commemorate the, the well, the founder of Newell's old boys. And is that right? Was, although, as I've just said, it's not exactly. But uh, yeah, there's a link which I've retweeted on the Handapod Twitter account to a Facebook group in which you can join up and sign a petition to get this done. Uh, in, in Strood in Kent which is interesting um, Liam Kelly who is no relation to me welcome back for 2016 Liam uh, he says question for Peter how are Mexican sides going to do in the Copa Libertadores this time and who's your tip to win it I say Corinthians I tweeted this over to Peter because he was due to record with us and couldn't make it in the end and he says he's learned his lesson after last year's prediction of none of them doing very well at all um, but he says at the risk of another error none of these sides are as strong as Tigres so you can expect to see a Mexican side once again in the Copa Libertadores final this year probably um, Liam also asks are games still being shown non-geo-blocked on YouTube? We're going to find out tomorrow uh, basically they were um, in the Bay Nacional the last weekend 
Um, whether that's a temporary measure or not, we don't know. I tweeted a few days ago to Horacio Gennari, who's one of the directors of, of Football Paradodos, to ask him. And as of, I think that was on uh, Monday or Tuesday, and as of then, it was still not confirmed. Um, so watch this space. I suspect they still will be. But of course, Football Paradodos has had a bit of a shake-up with the new government needing to, to bring in more money. You're going to see private advertising on it this year. Uh, it's uh, They're actually making the channels pay for the matches they're televising, which is logical. Um, and uh, as a result, the YouTube thing might change. Hopefully it won't do. Hopefully you were brought... I read that it will. It. I read that it will somewhere. I think it was in a newspaper. Uh-huh. Let's hope it won't. Maybe I was, I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm remembering wrong. But as I, say, I read somewhere that it was going to be yeah. geoblocked. As I say, ultimately, what we, or I guess you abroad, will we'll find out tomorrow evening when the matches kick off, or that's Friday, of course, at 7pm local time, so if you're in the UK, that's going to be 10pm, and if you're on the Eastern Seaboard of the United States, it will be at 5pm, so check in then, and uh, you'll to find out. Do you block, but, uh, the the Bay Nacional ones apparently were shown on, a, on private links, which means that you can't, just, you can't navigate to them on, on YouTube, but if you go to the Football Paratolos website, they're in, embedded there. Um, so it might just be that, but we'll, we'll see. It would be It's good to, for people to be able to subscribe to, yeah. to watch it, but uh, I don't know how many people will be, uh, will be interested with, uh, to watch the Argentinian league games, but it would be good. good I, I also have a sort of loophole that I use to watch Netflix from the US. A VPN. Yeah, yeah, yeah which, which would work. Yeah, yeah. Right. If, you, if you if you can use YouTube with a VPN without it uh, ballsing up your bandwidth too much, then obviously just set it to Argentina and you'll be able to watch still, presumably. Uh, DJ Dissident asks, which new signing will have the biggest impact and which new signing will be the biggest disaster? Biggest disaster is probably going to be Pablo Molche. <laughs> Might be Daniel Osvaldo, but I don't think he's going to be he's, he's going to crash and burn that much. Um, and biggest impact? That's uh, really hard to say. Yeah, uh, yes. I think. Uh, Paolo, Paolo Ferrari, by the way, has left on a free from Rosario Central and joined Patronato. Attack-minded fullback, he's going to be by far their best player, I suspect. And if they do end up staying up, then that could make all the difference for them. Could be. Yeah. Petro Fernandez, I, uh, I think it's a safe yeah. bet as well. It could be also uh, in Saurralde. Yeah, I, I think mm. he will end up as a starter, as a starter in Boca. I think Toby and Diaz will be the, the starting centre-backs, at least... I, First games. I've been hearing a lot of talk about. But Insaurati is, is left footed, right? And, yeah. And We don't have any left footed centre back. Yeah. You're mm. right. Yeah. We'll see what got here with uh, Vasco does. And finally, Liam Kelly, it's not a question, but he says he'd like to quickly give a shout out to Crucero del Norte. Last year, you will remember, Crucero del Norte played 15 away matches in the Primera and they lost all 15. So far this year, they have played one away game. They were away to Los Andes in Arsenal de Sarandis Stadium. And they got a win. So well done to Crucero del Norte, who have managed to bring it to an end their run of just over a year. Without maybe they'll be back for... We hope not. But <laughs> back for seconds. Next year. Um, we're now going to play Mystic Somebody's theme music. And when we get back... Sorry, Andres, go on. No, I was going to say something, but I will uh, do it during the break. So. Okay. And um, when we get back from this, uh, you will hear... For this weekend only, Mystic Sam's predictions, and I will explain why that's this weekend only. So don't go anywhere.
Okay, bit of a change to Mystic Sam uh, for um, for 2016, because as many of you know, I have spent the last four and a half years writing match previews for the Hong Kong Jockey Club, and that's not happening anymore. Uh, which means I'm not going to be predicting the matches anymore. Which means that I'm not going to be predicting them on the pod because no one's paying me to do it, and frankly, I'd have to be a sadist to want to. Um, a masochist, sorry, not a sadist. Possibly both, in fact. Um, Sebastian Garcia, who is a fellow Hunter Pop uh, uh, panel member, is taking over from me um, with the Hong Kong previews, so you'll still be able to read some previews on the Hong Kong Jockey Club website, and they will be written by him, not me. I have reached out to him in uh, horrible American office uh, speak parlance, in actual English, that means I've written an email to him, um, to ask him whether he would like to provide his previews, not his previews, sorry, his predictions to me on a weekly basis so we can have Mystic Sever instead of Mystic Sammy, whether he's here or not. Um, but what I was going to suggest, as I've not had a reply from him yet instead, is this weekend, uh, partly because we haven't had a reply from Sever yet, I'm going to read out my predictions for this weekend. And what I would like to invite regular listeners to do is each week send in your own predictions um, to sam at hasta el gold siempre.com you can use the contact form um, on the uh, hand of pod blog if that email address is a bit uh, Greek to you let's say or indeed if it's a bit Spanish to you um, or on the hasta el gold siempre website you can use the contact form there as well both of them go to my email or you can tweet me a, a photograph of your predictions instead um, and I will pick one listener per week and read out your predictions and Let's say that this first weekend is going to set a baseline and we'll see how many listeners can do better than it each week and how many listeners don't do as well each week. Uh, and I'll try and pick a different listener each week if enough of you are actually interested or sad enough um, to want to do this. Uh, so let's set the baseline now with the first lot of predictions for 15 matches. Here we go. I'm going for Huracan uh, to beat Atletico de Rafaela, Banfield to beat Gimnasia La Plata's reserves because... Gimnasia, as we said, have got 10 of their starting 11 uh, suspended from the, the, the stadium by Aprovide this weekend. Rosario Central to get a win over Godoy Cruz. Aldo Civi against Olimpo, which is officially speaking the Clásico of this weekend. I'm going for a draw in Mar del Plata. Argentinos against Tigre, I think is going to be a Tigre victory. Patronato de Paraná against San Lorenzo, I think is a San Lorenzo victory. San Martín de San Juan at home to Newell's Old Boys, I'm going for a home win. Tempele against Boca, Boca win. Independiente against Belgrano, I think is going to be a draw. Defensa versus Union, uh, that's Defensa Justicia, sorry, against Union de Santa Fe is also a draw. River Plate at home to Quilmes, I'm going for a River win. Colón against Arsenal is a draw. Atletico Tucumán against Racing, could shoot myself in the foot here, because of course Racing have got their second leg, Libertadores qualifier next week, but I'm going to go for a Racing away win. Estudiantes against Lanús is an Estudiantes win, and Sarmiento against Vélez Sarsfield is a draw. Your thoughts, gentlemen? I agree, I agree with everything you say. Yeah. <laughs> Fede was here when I wrote these, incidentally, so he was... Uh, I had some input into that, yeah. yeah. Now, now that there is no more pressure because you are not doing this for money, it's okay. Everything you say. <laughs> From? The last time Boca played Temperley, there were goals by Jonathan Canary, a lovely chip. Yeah. And Burrito Martinez. Oh, shows you how long ago that was. I almost Three. forgot about him. Yeah. Neither Thanks for players, that reminder, friend. Neither of those players are with Boca now, so maybe there's nobody to score goals against Temple. And, and just Caleri goal was a logo also. 
I think you said yesterday it was a it was a lovely chip as well, not a chip, a lob, a lob. As Andres mentioned during the break, um, we forgot to mention the fact that Hugo Tocali is taking over as Argentina under twenty manager, isn't he? Um, and no, sorry, he's not. Hugo Tocali is taking over as the general overseer of, of youth teams at the AFA, and Gabriel Milito is taking over as Argentina under twenty manager. So Gerardo Martino is presumably going to be pretty. Um, pleased about this um, and we can all agree that we're going to miss Grondona's precisely it, it means yeah. that uh, Umbertito Grondona's time as, as youth manager is over which is what Martino wanted when he first took over the only person who is taking who's got anything to do with the national teams um, and who was already being employed by the AFA before um, so with all the youth teams and, and, and all the rest of it with any of the other Argentine national teams um, and who's not part of uh, Martino's gang basically, is Julio Olaticochea, mm-hmm. the uh, 86 World yep. Cup winning goalkeeper, um, who is Not the manager. Not goalkeeper, no, he was a centre-back. Oh, centre-back, of course he was, yeah. sorry, I'm mixed Yeah, you're confusing him uh, yeah. with I'm thinking, exactly, yeah. Uh, who is the manager of the women's national team, uh, which in Argentina is... Uh, not the highest profile of jobs but he's keeping his job basically everybody else is going um, and I think uh, we said earlier didn't we that it was the, was it the 1st of March or the 1st of May that we said that 1st of March I think so Milito's yeah. in charge of the under 20s from the 1st of March so it's going to be interesting to see how that goes it can't go any worse than Grondonita's uh, reign it went anyway. on South American champions well and then pretty disastrously not in in, in the last Lloyd. But uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see whether we can keep it up. I don't think Gabriel Milito is, is, is not bad. It's bad, but uh, he didn't live very in a very good very good terms. Yeah, uh, the two think. teams he has been a coach and the independent reserves and and estudiantes. Yeah, but I mean replacing Grondona is is easy. I would say yeah, you it's, can't it's, do yes. worse than anyway. But exactly. Grondona, yeah. yeah. If he does manage to do worse than him, then that's his managerial career completely exactly. finished. But it's fairly improbable that he will. Yeah. Um, this has been a bumper episode of Hand of Pod. As we say, we're looking for sponsors, and partly to that end, and partly because our uh, listener figures seem to go down as soon as we go over an hour and a half. Uh, I'm going to be making more of a concerted effort this year to keep them a little shorter. This week, obviously, we've had a championship to preview and uh, ridiculous summer fight club. Um, sequel from Estudiantes and Gymnasia to talk about so it's not been possible to keep it down but in future um, I hope to uh, give you all some slightly shorter more manageably sized episodes unless there's loads of stuff to talk about so thank you very much for joining us again um, for the first hand of pod for 2016 Happy New Year everybody and please join us throughout the year to continue going on with this wonderful league that we call home Um, and for now it's goodbye from Fran Pleasure to be here as always. Goodbye from Fede. Thank you for having me, Sam. And from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye.